Fastamai, and welcome to tonight's edition of Island Life with me, Lewis Foster. Earlier this year, stories started to appear online relating to an apparent incident in an island school. It was of a drag queen speaking to a group of school children and apparently throwing a child out of a classroom for disputing the number of genders. Sensational, controversial perhaps, but for what it's worth, not entirely true. Here's what a subsequent investigation found from Education Minister Julie Edge. Public references to a drag queen delivering a presentation at the drop-down day at QE2 in September 22 are inaccurate. But it is understood that the guest speaker referred to does occasionally perform as a drag artist. The guest speaker presented on inclusion, as they have done previously, with the objective of a lesson being to provide guidance on the use of gender-neutral language with an understanding of the concept of gender in the LGBTQ plus environment alongside other inclusive intentions. The guest speaker made it clear from the outset of the presentation that the classroom was a safe place and that no question was a silly question. During the presentation, the concept of gender identity was introduced by the guest speaker. This led to a question by a pupil who asked how many genders there were. The speaker responded that there could be as many as 72 different gender identities. At one point, a pupil was asked by one of the teachers to step outside the classroom. The other teacher remained in the classroom with the guest speaker. The teacher's intention was to remind the pupil of the school's expectations that all pupils are entitled to their own opinions and that do not have to agree with the guest speaker, but they do have to show respect. The pupil then returned to the class for the remainder of the presentation. Both teachers in attendance agreed that the course of action was appropriate. The teachers present during the presentation managed behaviour of the class as would be expected. At no point did any guest speaker remove a child from the classroom, nor did they request that a child be removed. The guest speaker continued with the presentation, a presentation they had delivered previously. Mr President, it is important to draw a clear distinction between a drop-down day in September 22 and the delivery of an RSE advisory curriculum in February 2023. The guest speaker present at the drop-down day in September 2022 did not discuss sex education. The speaker was not present during the delivery of the RSE advisory lesson in February 23. I'd like to summarise part one at this point by stating that there was no guest speaker dressed as a drag queen in QE2 school in September 2022. The guest speaker in question did not ask the pupil to leave the classroom, nor was the guest speaker upset by the comments made by any pupil during the delivery of the presentation. In fact, the pupil returned to the classroom for the remainder of the presentation. Those findings given by the minister there were from part one of the investigation into the Relationships and Sexual Education Advisory Curriculum, which is currently being paused, and while we speak, we await part two and three. But to be clear, that's not what this programme is about, because you see, whilst the drag queen claims were being investigated by government, they were picked up by international media. Suddenly, it felt there were a number of praying eyes on the Isle of Man, especially at QE2 High School, the school in question. Articles appeared in the Daily Mail, the Telegraph, and there was coverage on GB News with Nigel Farage and even on Fox News in the US. 
The Education Minister said threats and demands for the arrest and execution of staff members at QE2 were made, and on the 28th of March a bomb threat was made, seeing school kids evacuated and armed police brought onto the site. Elsewhere in early March, a post box in the Isle of Man Sea Terminal, painted in rainbow colours in support of the Isle of Man's LGBTQ community, was vandalised with the words, Don't Promote Evil, scrawled across it. It prompted a message from Chief Constable Gary Roberts, who said, Never thought I would say this about the Isle of Man, but in such a tolerant, kind place, why are people threatening others because of what they wrongly believed happened in a school? However, it is, quote, justified, he says, hatred is hatred. I spoke to Devon Watson of the Manx Labour Party after it put a message out on social media supporting the island's LGBT community. The situation has gotten far out of hand. The fact that concerns over sex education have led to death threats toward teachers and threats to blow up a school, that's verging into the realm of, of terrorism at this point. And this is something that, as a community, we need to say is completely unacceptable. And this is something we need to stop. Now, the Department of Education has done a good job of finally dispelling some of this misinformation by an independent report and investigation. That's great. But what millions of people internationally have seen on Fox News and GB News isn't a, a balanced report that balances the concerns of parents and, and online speculation. All they see is the most amped up, exaggerated claims put out online. We can understand completely how parents are concerned in this situation, but some of our worst fears and worst impulses have been fed here. And that has come at the expense of some of the most vulnerable and marginalised members of our community. Do you have genuine concern that this situation could get worse? Hopefully, as more reports come out, that it will slow down. But what we will see is this is not the first time an incident like this will happen. And the Department of Education, the government uh, and institutions in the island need to get a lot better at combating disinformation in a timeless matter. Waiting three to four weeks for a report to come out just isn't good enough. What we need to do is we need to have sort of snappy responses that sort of deal with the fact that we are in the information age. We aren't in the 1950s anymore. We need to acknowledge that and we need to adapt. Devon Watson from Manx Labour there. Well, Alan Shea has been an outspoken campaigner for LGBT rights on the island for many years. Though he now considers himself retired from campaigning, he found himself the target of animosity online after he too spoke out in defence of those it appeared were taking the flag. He told me how it made him feel. I've had a few threats and I'm a bit wary going out, being absolutely honest with you. I've had a stroke, so basically, you know, uh, you don't know who's walking behind you because I am checking behind me because the first target is to be the, the one that is well known. Then you've got young LGBTQ people are terrified because all this is stirred up hatred. There's young transgenders out there that are in the Manx school system who are terrified on what's going on here, and it, it's terrible. And you have shared with me one of the one of the messages you got out there, and uh, I believe you've been to the police recently as well about uh, about some of the messages you've received. Well, the police have been. They came to me, and they were they've been brilliant. Actually, it was a police woman. I can't remember her name, unfortunately. Um, she was a Manx policewoman and she did ring up and check and make sure I was all right and all this stuff. And because of, I've got a bit of an ill elf, I was asleep and I woke up aggressively. I was like, what do you want? And unfortunately, it was the police and I do owe her an apology for that. Um, but they've been brilliantly, you know. But as I said on Twitter, that I'm very wary of going out. And Gary Roberts, the chief constable, to go out. It's fine saying, you know, Gary, the police ain't go out. 
they're the ones that are not going to get attacked. It's when you get attacked, it could be too late. So you know, these people have caused that much hatred that it's scaring people. Of course, the main focus during the drag queen saga was the drag artists of the Isle of Man themselves. Gareth is the person behind Vida Le Fierce, a prominent drag queen who graced the stage at the first ever Isle of Pride. I've seen some hideous comments online, and even I was shocked at the speed at which lies and misinformation can spread. And, you know, it was, it first sort of really came out on a Friday evening. There was a local press agency who released uh, a video, which, um, yes, the, uh, well, interesting relationship with truth. But um, that went out last thing on a Friday, which meant that there was no hope of an official response for a whole weekend, which gave time for an angry mob to be stirred up and all this. And even over that weekend, some of the comments that you could see where the, um, the Department of Education said there was going to be a report and an investigation. Um, they said, oh, we don't need a report. I'm like, well, yeah, you do, because that's how you get facts. And, um, oh, we know. And anything the government says will be a cover-up. And it's like, really? Like, you know, so you'd rather get things through Facebook, because that's a great benchmark of information. It's, it just it was so crazy, but for it to have spread so quickly, there was that right-wing agenda that was jumped on. I even saw articles in Spanish about it, and I was like, obviously you have a Google. And I was like, okay, we've, we've crossed the language barrier now. We are, like, in different languages. And then Nigel Farage, you know, he, he waded on in, and uh, that, that was just lovely. There was a big religious website had a had a pop about saying the impossible has finally happened, and it was like yeah, but it hasn't. And because I knew there wasn't a drag queen from the get go, because the drag community over here is very close. There's like seven or eight of us, and if one of us had gone into a school, we'd have known. So I knew from the get go that it was not true. Um, and of course, I went and I asked like all of the drag artists on the island. I said, did you know anything about this? Nobody did. So it was like, okay, it definitely wasn't one of us. And then somebody said, oh, it was a 75-year-old drag queen. I'm like, well, there isn't one. Like, there isn't one over here. So who the hell was that? And, like, the rumors and everything and some of the comments that you would see. And it was that initial weekend was a lot of people commenting on it. And it was, it was difficult for a lot of people reading it that I knew because they were seeing the likes of Neighbours colleagues, friends, people they thought they knew, commenting some pretty hideous things. And it was like, do you not want to wait till facts come out at least? But it's, it shows how easy it is for people to get stirred up by lies and misinformation because it just, like, it was like an inferno of hate came up that weekend. And then it seems to have distilled down to maybe like five or six different ringleaders who seem to appear on every article, all behind quite anonymous profiles, stirring things up. So um, not that brave. But um, I always think it um, it takes a coward to be a bigot because you clearly feel threatened by something. And if you're going to get that angry, because some of them do not want to hear facts. Facts got released, and they still don't want to hear it. And then you actually... 
you know, argue with them with solid solid evidence and facts. And th- there was a couple that just decided to go around in circles, getting more and more angry and aggressive. And it's like, well, if you're going to get aggressive and start being rude to people, then you've kind of lost any point you might have had. But they don't like being faced with truth. And it's it's like, bless you. <laughs> the darker side of that misinformation is the real world implications. Has that put real fear into the LGBT community and and the and like you say the drag artists on the island? I think it has definitely. There's uh, even before the bomb threat issue, um, there was messages being received. There was um, journalists from uh, UK press showing up at some of our gigs. Um, I'm so glad I was late that night. Um, there was uh, This was in, I, in Douglas? Yeah. I had um, a journalist from the Daily Mail turn up at my house while I was out and started interrogating my elderly mother. And I was not happy about that. It was... That was... And I know that at least one one of my other drag sisters had press showing up at their house a lot and it was the invasion of privacy and I did actually phone the journalist who turned up at my house back and I was I was quite angry I said look I don't think it's appropriate turning up someone's house oh we'd heard it was you that turned up at the school absolutely not and I set him straight on a lot of things and you know told him that you know it has resulted in a lot more hate and um, it's made things a lot more difficult it's made a lot of people feel more threatened I've got a couple of um, young trans friends who, for the first time in their lives, they thought they were safe and now feel nervous walking down the street. And no one should have to put up with that. It's just hideous. It it should not be happening. And then for something like the bomb threat, and I actually got some hate mail as well, which is the politest, politest hate letter I've ever got, but addressed to a venue I've performed at. And, like, I read it, and it was like, I presume you're the drag queen uh, who attended QE2. If not, please pass this on. I was like, wow, where did you even get this from? Because, like, my name's never been connected with it in the press, but, I don't know, I'm quite out there and, you know, perform across the island, so people have put it in their head that it might have been me, and it's like, absolutely not. And, uh, like, having bomb threats, hate mail, journalists turning up, like at your house it's not a nice situation to be in and those journalists asking questions and and asking for follow-ups and you telling them about the those reports we've had about the the truth about what happened yeah have you seen any follow-ups from those outlets explaining that it was those original stories were unsubstantiated absolutely none it's uh it's it's quite sad they're willing to report when they think there's a story but then you set them straight I suppose that would involve some level of admission of being part of stirring it up. So they probably don't want to do that. But uh, it is really sad, and it shows how easily society can step backwards after progress that's been made. Obviously, we've had two prides on the island, which have been incredibly successful. Obviously, there was a few people who were like, meh, I don't see why we need pride. Well, thank you for proving why we do. But... They were very, very successful events, and then, fortunately, um, Isle of Pride closed, but obviously still hope to do something again, and it's been proven that it it's needed. But um, we thought the battles were won, and 
it just goes to show that, you know, you may have won rights and you may have won battles and you may have won acceptance, but they're never guaranteed. So unlike what's going on in Tennessee with anti-drag and anti-trans laws as well, the battles may have been won once. But, you know, you get the wrong person in charge and with one swish of their pen, they can take your rights away. And that should really terrify everybody, all of us. Because an attack on one section of society is actually an attack on all of us. Because it just demonstrates how easily rights can be taken away. And like I said to, I was talking to my mum about it, and she said, why, why are you, you know, so angry about what's happening there? I said, well, why aren't you? It's like, because if they're willing to take away some rights of the LGBT community, what's stop and come for women's rights next? Will you stand up then? They already have with, like, the anti-abortion laws and stuff. It just goes to show that no rights are ever guaranteed. So if ever any organisation starts attacking one sector of society, that is an attack on all of us, because every human has the right to be treated with dignity and respect and to not live in fear. A familiar name on panel shows in the UK is Peter Tatchell, an LGBT campaigner who's been to the Isle of Man a number of times over the years and is familiar with our history of gay rights on the island. What we've witnessed is a moral panic and hysteria not based on fact. We know that the claims about the drag queen throwing a pupil out of class have been shown by an independent investigation to be untrue. Um, a pupil was disruptive and they were asked to leave by a teacher, not by the drag queen. So the whole scenario has been grossly misrepresented. Those kind of stories, which appeared to us when we first heard them as sensational, are they quite common? Are members of the LGBT community scapegoated in a way through these types of, of tales? What we're witnessing right now is a sensationalist, inflammatory, and very dangerous series of attacks upon drag queens who are doing nothing more than simply reading to young people stories to encourage them to improve their literacy and other good works. It's all been blown completely out of proportion, and it is symptomatic of the very febrile atmosphere that currently exists around education in schools. Some people want to maintain a very orthodox, traditional approach to education and what young people should learn about. Others are trying to engage with requests made by students themselves who want to find out more and want to prepare themselves to be able to live happy healthy lives and that's like what we saw here on the isle of man on this drop down day somebody who performs as a drag artist not dressed by any means as a drag queen just there to talk about gender and what it is they do and and take questions from the pupils so why do why do we think it led to to this and talking more about media coverage does these kind of stories and the peel drag queen story play right into that sort of obsession we've seen recently there is no doubt that drag artists are a new focus for homophobic and right-wing extremists. They are presenting people who do drag as some kind of mortal threat to children. They're not. 
they're just a different version of the pantomime queens that we all love every Christmas and which most parents take their kids to see without a problem. So it's ridiculous to suddenly turn around and say that drag is somehow a threat to children's welfare and morality. Peter Tatchell there. Well, it's almost time to wrap up, but I want to give Gareth Vida Le Fierce the last word on how the drag artists of the Isle of Man have coped with the negative attention. There have been events, drag events on the island since since these reports. Is it quite important for yourself and the others in the community to show a defiant face right now? Very much so, I think. It's... Uh... There was speculation at the beginning of this whole scandal of, oh, maybe we should hold off on, on some gigs for a little while. I said, no, that's that's almost like an admission of some wrongdoing, which there hasn't been any, so no. And also, we don't let hate win. And what about the people who want to see our performances and other people in the LGBTQ community who might want to come for a queer night out in a safe space with people like them? You know, what happens to them if we start cancelling things? We're stronger together. And, you know, it's showing fear and defeat, which, sorry, we're not going anywhere. Like, whether you approve of us or not, we're not budging. If there's one thing I know about drag queens is that if you say no to them, they're just going to want to do it all the more. So if you say no to a party or a gig, we just want to go and be louder. We won't beat darkness with darkness. You can't fight hate with hate. So we'll show them how to be better by being better. Now, before we go, let's catch up with the latest from the independent report into the relationships and sexual education curriculum taught at Queen Elizabeth II High School in Peel, which was finally published following a lengthy redaction process early last month. Though published on the 21st of July, it was only released to the public on the 4th of September. Up until then, we'd only had the executive summary and the department says it had to go over the report with a fine-tooth comb to protect the anonymity of the parents, teachers and other stakeholders who gave up their time to contribute. This is part two of the three-part report, and the fact it's 50 pages long and heavily redacted didn't make for the easiest of reads. The following paragraph from the summaries of evidence regarding complaints, for example, most of the complaints have come from blank parents, no complaints have been raised by students directly to blank, and no complaints have been made to blank via blank. The investigators go into detail about how the lessons were carried out. It also states PSHE is a popular subject with students. The suspension of the RSE curriculum will have prevented students from receiving essential information to help make informed choices to keep them safe and healthy, to not continue the curriculum in September would be failing to safeguard students. While the department says the RSE curriculum, which was introduced in secondary schools in September 2020, remains on hold until early 2024. On that, the report says the media interest in February 2023 concerning the delivery of certain aspects of RSE at QE2 and the vexatious and misleading comments about QE2 and its staff were unwarranted. In the opinion of Redacted, the DESC did not immediately and openly support the underlying strength of the RSE advisory curriculum, and the sudden pausing of the program in all schools may have led to an impression that there was something wrong with the program. 
In a summary of the email correspondences with parents, some say they considered the RSE lessons entirely appropriate and to exclude certain sexual activity from discussions is to frame them as not normal and in doing so to frame LGBTQ plus people as not normal because those practices are commonly associated with homosexuality. Meanwhile, others are quoted as being totally disgusted with the mention of certain activities and describing the lessons as the promotion of left-wing gender ideology. Well, in relation to the age appropriateness of some of the curriculum content, the report says it must be remembered that pupils can have instant access to explicit material on their phones, where the almost limitless content is unregulated and has the potential of a dangerous impact on them. Statistics shared show by the age of 9, 10% of children have seen pornography, 27% by the age of 11, and 50% by the time they're 13. It concedes ultimately that PHSE lessons need some changes, and classes at times can be uncomfortable for the teacher to deliver. Some of the Year 7 content concerning body image is valuable, it says, while by contrast some of the Year 10 content unnecessarily graphic. The Year 10 condom lesson is, for example, described as too advanced for some pupils, and some of the slides could be amended or removed. In their final summary, independent investigators Richard Power and Paul Morris said, To enable parents and carers to make informed decisions regarding the delivery of RSE to their children, the investigators would support an improved scheme of communication from the school to parents and carers regarding all forthcoming RSE delivery, including the provision of external access to lesson plans and other supporting material. One suggestion was that a pre-recorded video of the PSHE and RSE advisory curriculum on the island would help the community to understand the rationale behind the curriculum. They also suggest a smaller group of teachers with a personal commitment to RSE delivery should be encouraged to specialise in the subject and this group should receive better, thorough, regular and high-quality training. Education Minister Julie Edge says the Department of Education, Sport and Culture has taken immediate action to address the findings. She continued, I would like to again thank all the parents, teachers and officers who've contributed their time. We will work with schools to ensure that necessary changes are made and a clear plan is developed to inform the most appropriate way forward to resume delivery of RSE in early 2024. And that's Island Life for today. You can listen back to this programme as a podcast on Manx Radio. In the meantime, I've been Lewis Foster, Guru Mayad, and thank you for listening.